0: We're going to start at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom. In freedom. My brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up by this one command: love your neighbor as yourself. Love how it says we can use our freedom. As we continue to know, we we know freedom here in America, but also there's a spiritual freedom. There's, There's a freedom that we get by having a relationship with God. And when we receive that freedom, what we do with it has an impact not only on our own lives, but others. And so we see right here in the scripture, it says, you have the freedom to do things, but don't do the wrong things. Do good things. And the best way you can do is by trying to serve one another with your freedom. Now, when I was 19, I bought my very first house. It wasn't because I wasn't rich. Trust me, I'm still not. I'm working on saving up and paying off loans and stuff. But the thing was, when I was 19, I bought a fixer-upper. That's why I was able to get a house at 19 and because of the help of my family. They came around and they're saying, I'm not joking when I say it's a fixer-upper. You'll probably hear me throughout the years as you're a part of this church family. Refer to this church because I learned so much. And I also made a lot of knucklehead mistakes on this house. Like learning to fix this thing up up by myself. Like I remember trying to put one of the door handles on and yet I, I put it on backwards. And so actually they could lock me out or lock me into my house from the outside of my house. Like that's how much I was learning at this time with my first house. But my family come along and we get this fixer upper from a house auction my very first house, and they helped me. And it takes four months to make this baby livable. Like one of the windows wouldn't even shut, and it went through a winter being abandoned. That's how I like, just imagine this house there were stains from the pets, and the wood needed to be refurbished, the windows needed to be changed, the doors, the paint, the roof, the plumbing. Like we had to work on it. But the thing was, my family were right there with me, they were serving me, and they were helping me. They made a choice to help me do this, they didn't have to, but they did. And because of that, that put me in a really good situation at 19 years old. I had my very first house. And as my family walked away from that property, and I got a house to myself, I'm 19. You know what I think in my head when, as my family walked away? Yes, I was thankful, but the big thing I thought was, Freedom! I have a house! And I'm the, I'm the owner of the house. I get to make the rules of the house. I get to do what I want. There is so much freedom. And that should have been a blessing. But I made really bad decisions, if I'm honest with you. My decisions with my freedom, instead of trying to serve other people and do good things with it, I used my freedom to dive into alcohol, drugs, sexual sin, greed, choosing who I wanted over my house and if I thought they were cool or not. I, mean, I went through a lot of dark times in my very first house with my freedom. And I can't help but share that when I read that scripture because it said, yes, I had the freedom to make those choices And so we see in the scripture that we have to be careful with our freedom. That we don't just, because we have freedom, throw it to the side and not think about it and just do whatever we want. Because when I did that, it affected my life. But even more importantly, it affected so many other people around me. Not only did I affect people negatively, but then the environment that I cultivated at my house, other people could come and affect other people negatively. And things would happen in my house that wasn't even me doing it, but because I allowed people, there were so many things going on and I was the one supposed to be looking over the house. A lot of things happened that hurt a lot of people. It set a lot of people back and they needed to heal from certain situations. Habits were started. And maybe you guys can relate when you moved into your first house or when you got your first car, and you had your license and the freedom of taking that, but you could kill someone if you recklessly drive into someone on the highway, right? You can understand that maybe you've had the freedom of how much time you choose to be with your spouse, and there's a right way to do it or there's the wrong way where you ignore them and you abandon them. Or you have a freedom to choose how you want to raise your kids, how you want to treat your neighbors. You have the freedom to choose how you want to love one another. And how we want to serve one another. And so we have to be careful. It's so important that we realize, yes, it's a blessing to be free. But what we do with this freedom matters. Afterwards, we're warned on the next scripture. What can happen? How we should be loving one another and serving one another. But instead, if we don't, in Galatians 5.15 it says, But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And so when they're talking about that in response to the other scripture we read, that, feels you your freedom to do things. And you're biting and devouring one another like wild animals. Like check this, we understand, right? Anyone ever watched like, Animal Planet or anything? Like Animals devour one another. There are animals that literally will eat each other. They will do that. And we're not saying like, hey, be careful. I don't want any of you guys to be cannibals. Like please hear me when I say this. But spiritually and emotionally, there is a way that we can walk through life devouring one another. It's, it's been going on for thousands of years, even hundreds of years ago. Maybe you guys have heard it, but there's a phrase that is dog-eat-dog dog world. That there are situations in life where the world says, hey, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world. Something like the music industry or trying to be in a competitive business. And some people will say that, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to, um, to put it in a situation to be highly competitive in a dog eat dog world, some people will be like, hey, I will do whatever it takes to be successful. Even if it harms someone, even if it has to be selfish, even if it has to be greedy. I, I can do that because that's what other people are doing. And so we need to understand that when we're in this world, that we need to make sure that we're not devouring one another, that we're not destroying one another, that we are called to love and serve one another. When the world says some situations are dog eat dog world type situations where we're supposed to try to take, 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 and get what we can. If not, people are gonna just take, take, take from us. God's saying, no, through my plan and the purpose I give you, there's a plan where you can give, give, give. And when you do it in the right way, according to what he wants us to do and the way he loves us and shows us and teaches us, when we give, 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 we will all be better off in the long run. But also then how much better could it be for our neighbors and for the people of this city and for the rest of the world? And so that's what we're gonna dig in today. Where when the world sometimes says we need to be competitive and go at one another and do whatever it takes to be in this world. And we have the freedom to if we choose. We want to look and see what's the proper way, what's the loving way, what's the better way of life with our freedom and how we can carry out our life through that. But first, if we could pray. If we could close our eyes and bow our heads. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time with our church family. I thank you that there's a safe place for us to talk about you we can discover you i pray that we learn to work walk further away out of the darkness of devouring and destroying that we move closer to the light of loving and serving guide our minds and our hearts as we hear this message please guide my tongue as i speak and let our ears hear what you want us to hear in jesus name we pray amen amen Amen. so we can look back at galatians 5 Verse 13 through 15, we're gonna read it all together. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Now, we've heard this at the intro of this talk. Let's, let's read this together in our minds and look at the screen and say, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, Watch out, beware of destroying one another. I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of people are sharing their opinions right now on social media. There's some things that have been happening in the world where people have had to vote and do things. And, and that is so great that we have the freedom to vote. And I'm not here to tell you my political anything. What I wanted to share is in those times, it is easy to give into our emotions and, and to attack other people. And to call out other people in in the wrong way to where we will devour and destroy one another. And in the scripture, in all the different situations that come up in our lives, when it comes in the times where we could devour and destroy, we need to see the scripture shows how important that we focus on the true thing, which is how do we love one another more? How do we serve one another more? That's amazing hearing the kids. I love that. I hope we continue to hear that they have love in that room and joy. Um, And so we are going to continue our series, One Another, today. It's week three. And the word one another is two words for us, but in Greek, the original language that the New Testament of the Bible is written in, we see it's actually the word one another is alelo. Go ahead and say that. Alelo. And that word is in the New Testament around a 100 times. And approximately 59 of these times are commands of what the church, believers of Jesus Christ, should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing with one another. And so we wanted, as being a new church, this is week seven for Landers. We've only been in church for seven weeks here, right? And so we wanted, after we shared our core values, in the we want to start showing, like, hey, there's easy, it's so easy to have preferences and what we want. But what's important is we look and see what God says church has to be. What God shows us the right way to love one another. So we shared uh, that there was more than 16 times in the New Testament, God shows us that we're supposed to love one another, love one another. It shows that we're supposed to be devoted to one another, to truly love each other. We need to spend time. We need to be intentional. We need to be authentic. We also saw in the next week after that, that it talked that we need to confess to one another. And there's a proper way with love to approach someone in conflict. And there's a way to confess, but then also there's a way to forgive one another. And now this week, we're going to look at how important it is to serve one another. And when I think about serving, I'm so excited. I'm excited to speak to you guys every week. But this week, we're going to talk about one of the most amazing moments where we see servanthood. We see serving at its best. Thousands of years ago, Jesus was walking on earth. He left heaven to come down to earth. God sent his son to show us love and to serve us and to give us a way to get back in relationship with God, creator of the universe. God the Father created us to be with him, but because of our mistakes, which last week I was like, hey, if you ever made a mistake, raise your hand. Everyone raised their hand. Some people raised too, including me. And the thing is, is that mistakes are sin. It causes separation between us and God. But Jesus so loved us, God so loves us, He came down to earth to make it right so we could be back in relationship with God. By doing that, He lives a perfect life. And then He even carries Himself onto the cross, dying for us, paying the price for our sins. And three days later, He's resurrected. God resurrects Jesus Christ, defeating death and conquering sin. But we're looking at a time where it's right before the crucifixion. And He's about to have supper with His disciples. And he's about to be with his followers. And in this time, in Rome and in the surrounding areas in the Jewish culture, where they walked around, they didn't have Nike high tops. They didn't have Crocs. They didn't have steel toe boots. Most of the time they were wearing sandals or they were barefoot. And so imagine walking on the streets where they didn't have the best way to keep the hygiene up and the bacteria off and the dirt and the grime and and the feet. Imagine the feet of these people. And even at this time, the feet would get so messy that there were servants. There was Jewish servants. There was Roman servants. Servants were a thing at this time. But even for the Roman servants, washing someone's feet was so low that it was illegal for a Roman servant to wash someone's feet. So what people deemed being the lowest of the lowest servants, they were the one that would wash people's feet especially before meals. Now the reason why this is important to know is when we think about having dinner together, we think about our tables, right? Our tables, sometimes we have high tops, sometimes we just have dining tables with chairs. But in this context, the tables were a lot lower. And so you would have to lean to the side when you'd sit at a dinner table to eat a meal. And so when you'd lean to your side, guess what was right there to the right of you or the left of you? Fee, messy, dirty, sandal wearing, no sandal wearing, grimy feet. And so the servants would wash this. But we're going to look in a moment here that at this meal, it happened a little different. So we're going to look at John 13, starting at verse 1. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And so we're going to take the Passover celebration meal. And at this time when he's about to take this meal with his followers, Jesus knows that even in this room, there was someone that is going to betray him. Someone that was going to turn on him. So then he would get put on that cross. He knew it was coming. God is all knowing. Jesus was revealed what was going to happen. And yet he still Serve them. He, he ended up taking off certain garments and wrapping a towel around his waist. Grabbed water and begs. Imagine this the God of the world, the universe, doing something that people think is so lowly for the lowly of all servants. Jesus grabs this water, this towel, and he gets down and he starts washing the feet of his disciples, serving them. Those dirty, grimy feet. And he's washing them. So much to where even one of the disciples go, "Whoa, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus goes, no, I have to. This needs to be done. And he's foreshadowing not only is he serving them by washing their feet and showing them something and teaching them right now, but also foreshadowing that the crucifixion, he knew it was gonna come, that he had to wash us clean, that something was gonna happen that would make us clean. And so he even has a talk with Peter about this, one of his main disciples. And Jesus says it has to be done. And so he washes the feet of the disciples. What a servant. And it goes on after that. It says in John 13, starting at verse 12, it says, "After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, "Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you example to follow. Do as I've done to you. This man is about to die. He's about to get beaten, spat on, mocked. One of the main reasons it's about to happen when it does is because one of his disciples are in there that he knows he's going to. Turn. so you wash his grimy feet too. He served us. He served the disciples in the moment and said, "This is so important. One of my favorite things that we see consistently over and over again is that Jesus didn't just tell us, but he also showed us. He showed us by example and he showed them. And we see in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says that Jesus, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The humility to be able to do that. The the amount of love you must have to serve one another. And because of the way he washed their feet, because of the way he taught them, because of the way he continually served his disciples as they were knuckleheads, just like most of us in this room, if not all of us, he kept serving them and teaching them and serving them and teaching them to the point where they were able to then later on start these churches through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they were able to build these churches where thousands of years later we're here in a church because of the love and the serving of Jesus Christ that he so served us, he even served up his life for each and every one of us. And so when we think about this, when we realize this, I would just like us to take a moment and ask this question that we don't just hear it, but that we actually are doers of it. Who should we be serving? Where have we maybe not served in our lives where maybe we should in the way that Jesus showed us? Who is it that we could be serving? Is there a family member? Is there a neighbor? Is there someone at work? Who is someone that you could maybe do something uncomfortable I'm saying you have to wash their feet? But to this day, what are things that are equivalent to that? That maybe other people are like, have you ever been in the room where you're like, hey, do you need help? But you sort of like are hoping like, hey, I, I want to sound nice. I'm offering help. But they're going to say no because they don't want to burden me. Or anything like that. No, no, I'm good. And like, so you just ask if you want help. What is someone where you can actually follow someone? and like, no, I want to serve you. I want to help you. And, and please, know, this isn't even just for you. This is for my relationship with God. Who could you help someone learn to be served? And I don't helps me because I actually I, I do like to serve people. I'm horrible at asking for help. But the more I've, I've, I've seen that people have let me serve them, I've learned and it's helped me in response to them, let people serve me. I think it's not a coincidence. I'm not some brainster. I'm not genius. We see in scripture, I think God intended that. That when we don't just worry about taking and taking, we think about giving. We start to see a community, a gathering of people that are giving and giving and serving and serving. And when you have someone in this gathering or we know someone, Maybe someone in this room knows someone that can barely buy their next groceries. Maybe we know someone that's stuck in addiction. Maybe there's someone in here that's struggling with some of these things. Maybe someone's marriage is hurting. How could we serve one another to help build up and encourage our relationships, our gathering of people, so then in turn, we can then overwhelmingly pour out into the neighbors? What would our city look like if we would be prepared to even wash other people's feet. What would it be like if we learned that sometimes with our freedom that we are given that we see in scripture through our relationship with God, that if we even sacrifice some of our freedom, if we even sacrifice some of our life in response to serve others, what, would we, what could we do to make ourselves a little more uncomfortable so someone else that we love and put someone above ourselves so they could be more comfortable? It's another one another command. We're supposed to love one another and put one another above ourselves. It is so important that we do this. And yes, it is great. If you are new to this church, hey, we're a church plant. We could use help. We could use help with you serving at the church. But please know that's a step towards getting to know the community and helping out and doing a part of the church. And we want that, but it doesn't stop there. Let that be a momentum. If you aren't serving here, please let us know you want to help out and serve. But I pray, we pray here at Lance that that's just a momentum to help you then serve outside the church, to serve as the church. to realize that you're not just going to church, but you are the church's people and we get to serve here, but then we get to go out in the world and truly serve one another. In a way, it'll prompt people to notice there's something different about us and they'll want to know why. And they'll get to hear the story about a God that so loved them that he left the heavens and came down to dirty, messy, grimy earth and told us about love and showed us love and served us with love so much that he had so much love he had the courage to be able to even go into his own crucifixion for us. I don't know about you, but I would love for more and more people to know that love to know that God that wants to so eagerly serve them that He's that they've already been served by this God and there's still more serving to be done? Raise your hand if you'd like to help people learn about this God, to learn about this kind of serving. And God lays out the plan and shows us and leads by example so we could do that with one another. Sometimes I struggle with serving because I think like, should I serve this person? Are they going to just waste it? Are they not going to be appreciative? But if I'm honest with you, God served me, and many times in my life hearing about Jesus, I wasted it. I didn't appreciate it. It took me a long time to really start to take an intentional time to understand how much God loved me. And so I didn't do it right, and God still kept serving me. So who are we not to, to serve even people when it's inconvenient? It's inconvenient. And that helps us in the same way that we talked in the previous weeks that we can love others because God loves us. We can forgive others because God forgives us even when we didn't deserve it. In the same way, it could help us understand we want, if we understand we continually get to know God and the love and the serving he's done for us, hopefully in turn we realize we want to serve God. And so if you do struggle with helping other people, maybe this line will help you. It is impossible to serve God without serving one another. It's impossible. He He commands it. He shows it. The way we love Him. There's scripture that says when someone's thirsty, we give them drink. When someone's hungry, we give them food. When they're in prison, we visit them. And when we do that for them, we're doing it to God. And so, if we want to love God, the God that so ultimately loves us in a way that it will forever change our eternity, we need to make sure that we are ready and striving to serve one another. Who should we be serving? Who could we be serving? close our eyes. God, I, just, I thank you for being the God that came to serve. I thank you for your love and the things you've showed us. I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room that is wondering about you, that wants to learn more about you and the love you have and the serving that you've done, I pray that they come to know you. I pray that if if we consider ourselves followers of you, Jesus, I pray that we desire it, we strive to do it daily, that we're devoted to serving one another. I also pray, God, if there's someone in here that is starting to feel like, you know what? I want a relationship for the very first time. I truly want to put my trust in this God that I'm learning that so lovingly serves me, serves my family and my friends. He wants to serve us. That he even served up his life. I pray that they come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And so if if that could be you, if you're someone here that feels like, hey, I have even grown up around church, but I don't know if I truly put my trust in this God. I don't know. If I've truly, you know, maybe someone of them even like say, I didn't really know anything about Jesus until today. I just want to let you know that in Scripture it says, if we confess with our mouth that we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our hearts the things He did for us, that He died and rose again, paying the price for the sin of the world, uh, we can be forgiven through trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and repenting, which repenting is a word that you say to move away from our mistakes, the sin, and to move towards God, to truly move away from it. If you do that, Scripture says you will be saved, and and from today for all eternity, your life will be changed. And there's a God that wants to be there with you. There's a God that loves you so much He designed a community to walk through those steps with you. And so, if you're someone here that wants to put your trust in Jesus, if we can close your eyes again. There's nothing special about the words I'm saying. I just want you to know I'm just going to guide you. Like I said, Scripture shows that if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart the things that he did, that he died and rose again. You will be saved. And so I'm just going to guide you in a prayer. If you're someone that wants to put your trust in Jesus, the Lord that so loves you, the Lord that would wash your feet even right before moments of his death, that Lord, if you want a relationship with him, just repeat these words after me. You can say them to yourself or out loud while we pray. God, I want a relationship with you. Jesus, I trust in you as my Lord. I might not understand everything, but what I do know is you are Lord. And you paid a price for me. I believe in my heart that you died and rose again, paying the price for my sin, defeating death and conquering sin. And I commit to follow you the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.